his praise. Hallelujah. Means praise him in the highest. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. and high priest of our confession Christ Jesus what did he say consider so whatever he is going to say next has to do with our consideration of our high priest and apostle Jesus Christ so he says consider him who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. He says that Moses was the most faithful person in all of his house. What is he talking about? What is it that he is trying to get across? Because he says, consider. In other words, pay attention to the fact that Jesus Christ was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was faithful. Now you can look at this two ways. You can see the depth of Moses' commitment to God. He says it was equivalent to Jesus. So as far as God is concerned, Jesus, or rather Moses, Moses came first. So Jesus was as faithful as Moses was in all of his house so in terms of faithfulness Jesus and Moses share the same stature in all of his house so he is weighing the faithfulness 
of Jesus in God's house. So he says he is a high priest and an apostle who was faithful to him who appointed him. So the appointment had prerequisites, had responsibilities that had to be fulfilled. And the Bible says Jesus was faithful to fulfilling the mandate. that was required from the protocol of the apostleship and the priesthood. And he says, as far as faithfulness is concerned, they are both equal. But then the Bible begins to give Jesus a higher stature than Moses. Because Jesus is not just one in the house. Jesus is the very builder of the house that Moses was faithful in. So he fulfills the mandate that is required for servants in the house to fulfill by being faithful to the appointment. But then he's also higher than the house and higher than every other servant in the house because he's not only a servant, he is the builder of the house that the servants live in. So as a faithful high priest, as a faithful apostle, he is in charge of the oversight of the materials that constitute his building. And he says Moses, Moses in the house is the reference point of faithfulness. So every servant in the house must attain the stature of Moses' faithfulness for them to be considered in the priesthood. So we see a protocol of faithfulness required in the house. The demand of the house is faithfulness. Faithfulness. To him who appointed us faithfulness. And many of us, we have not yet understood why, having become part of the household of God, having become part of the family of God, having become part of, of the, 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 the nature and family and coming into partnership with God, we haven't yet understood why our life seems to be direct opposites of what God intended. It's because there is the scale that exists in the house. That scale measures every other man. Before Jesus, the scale was Moses. The standard was Moses. If you want to see what pleases God in the house, look at Moses. He was faithful in all of his house. How many of us can say we are faithful to God? We are faithful to God. Your kinship to Jesus, your kinship to the servants of the house is his faithfulness. It says, consider him who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses was also faithful in all his house. 
So there is a standard to meet. There is a standard to attain to. And he says faithfulness. You're not going to be part of the priesthood until you learn the order of faithfulness. He is the high priest who was faithful. He's the apostle. The reason why he uses, notice, the, the high priest and the apostle is a representation of two things. It's a representation of the priesthood. The highest in the priesthood is the high priest. The highest in the fivefold ministry gift is the apostle. So he's the representation of the gift of Christ and of the order of the priesthood. And he says, for you, for you, in the house to be regarded as a son, as a stone, as a servant. He says, faithfulness must be the protocol you observe. So since we are not talking about ministry, yes, we will not touch on that, but we are talking about the priesthood. Faithfulness is required. Though he was a son, he is a faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house for this one Jesus has been counted worthy that's the reward of faithfulness more worthy of what of more glory than Moses so he's telling us what faithfulness in the house produces says Jesus is counted more worthy counted worthy of more glory than Moses even though they share in the same stature of faithfulness but Jesus this one is counted more worthy inasmuch he's telling us why inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house so he's telling us the reason why he's counted more worthy of glory than Moses. He says, just like the one who builds the house has more honor than the house itself. Hmm. Hmm. The house and the builder. So he says, consider the high priest. He didn't say the prophet. He didn't say the pastor or the good shepherd. He said, consider the high priest. And what? And the apostle. Of what? Our confession, our profession, our faith. Just consider. Consider. Consider him. Did he not say we are built upon the foundations of apostles and prophets? And Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Why is it that in akin to the building, the construction of a house and the builder, there is the inclusion of the priesthood as well? 
This tells us how God builds churches, how God builds his kingdom, how God builds his house, how God builds his habitation. It is through the facilitation and administration of the priesthood. So Moses was a servant in the house. Jesus is the builder of the house. So who has more glory? Because he is the builder. Yet he fulfills the services that are required within the house. So he says he's counted more worthy of glory in as much as he who builds the house is what? Is, has more honor than he that it and then the building itself. <laughs> For every house is built by someone. So the house which Moses was faithful in, who was building the house? And what house is he referring to? Because the Bible is talking about his house, God's house. And he says, for this, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. He was faithful as a servant. For a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ was faithful as a son over his own house. Was faithful as a son over what? Whose house we are. If we hold fast to the confidence and rejoicing of the whole firm to the end. Notice this. He says he was faithful as a son over his own house. Whose house we are. He was faithful as a son over his own house. Whose house that we are if we hold fast. So we are his house that he was faithful over. Is <laughs> whose house we are if we hold fast? Whose house we are if we hold whose house we are if we hold fast? Whose house we are if we hold fast? If we hold fast. Whose house we are if we hold fast? And he was faithful over his own house. So we are his house if we hold fast. What is he alluding to? What is he talking about? What is he saying? Whose house we are? He was faithful over his own house, whose house we are. So whatever house he was speaking about, that Moses was faithful in, that Jesus was faithful in, had nothing to do with physical structures. Because he says, whose house we are? Whose house we are? So God had a house that he no longer resides in. And he has a house that he is busy building. The house he no longer resides in was the house in which Moses was faithful as a son. But the house whose we are if we continue, if we continue, suggests and implies that the construction of that house is still taking place. So he uses the priesthood and 
the fivefold ministry gifts to construct that house. Because he is the builder. He is the high priest. First Peter chapter 2. such thing as coming to him as a living stone. We should not have read coming to him as a living stone. It should have read coming to him the living stone. It says coming to him the living stone. Coming to him the living stone. He says, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. That's who Jesus is. He says, chosen by God and precious. You also. So he says, coming to him, the living stone. You also. You also. As what? As what? He is the living stone. And he says, you also as living stones are what? Being built up a spiritual house. A spiritual house. He says, he does not. He says, I do not live in a house made with what? And he prepared a body not of this creation. So he says, You coming to him as living stones are being built, are being built a spiritual house. A what? Notice everywhere you are seeing built, built, house, built. What is there? What is there? What is there? Yes. It tells us something. It tells us something about the importance of the priesthood. Remember, we already established that the priesthood was not done away with in the Old Testament. Rather, it was transferred from Moses, from Levi to Judah. So we are part of a transferred priesthood that is according to the order of Melchizedek. So the priesthood presently exists. And it is the system that God uses to build up his house. So God will only live in a house built by priests. Oh. Oh. Says whose house we are if. If means it's conditional. 
This means it's conditional. We are not his house because we are Christians. <laughs> we are not his house because we have come to accept his lordship. We are his house if we continue to hold fast to the hope firmly to the end. Whose house we are. And have been built a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. To offer up. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Oh God. Acceptable to God. Through Jesus Christ. There, that's your Bible. In the New Testament. He says you are still required to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Question is, are you offering up spiritual sacrifices? That's the question. Because if they are not offered, that means you are not fulfilling your role. You are not faithful as a servant in the house. You are not faithful. So the absence of the priesthood is proof that the spirit is not constructed. So even in your own life, if, if, if there is no spiritual stature being raised, the spirit of God in your life is not... Responsibilities are not met. So there are Christians who pray for the sake of praying. There are Christians who come to church for the sake of coming to church. And something is happening. He says the stones that will be used as material are what? Faithful stones. And this is the problem. This is what many people do not understand. Many of God's people do not understand. Is that they think that now they have come to Christ. Everything is done. It's, they must just, it's okay. Heaven is awaiting them. You may find that you may go to heaven. But God's desire is not heaven. And you may find that when you get to heaven, Jesus is not there. Because Jesus is building a house. The house that he's building is not heaven. Because at this point, he is in heaven. He's telling us, and, and oh God. Maybe I should have told you this. Heaven is not enough for Jesus. That's why he desires a house, a construction in which he would live in. Because he has more glory than Moses. So Moses possesses glory because of his faithfulness. But he has more glory that he requires to build his house in order for the world to continue. So he is in heaven now, but he's building his house. So what does that tell you? God does not stay in heaven. So if your goal is heaven, you are mistaken. Because God's goal, God's agenda, God's, God's intent purpose, He's not heaven, is a house that is not part of heaven. 
And he says, only the priesthood can build that house. That's why not only a sect, but the entirety of those who have come to believe on him are regarded as part of a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. Not just a priesthood, but a holy priesthood. There's too much profanity in the body of Christ for us to consider ourselves the house of God. Too much profanity. And by profanity, I do not necessarily mean sin. There are things which are not seen that can profane you. There are things which are not necessarily categorized as sin that are actually unholy. He said, do not love the world. Not the things that... He didn't say do not sin. He said, do not love the world. Why? Because there is something in the world that tempts you. James spoke about true religion. He said it is visiting the poor, what not, the fatherless thing. And then he says to be unspotted from the world. Because the world has a staining agent that if anybody would align themselves with it, would find themselves unfit to serve God. So what God does is that he takes Moses out of the house that he intended for him to grow up in into the wilderness where he would de-educate him and re-educate him as part of his agenda to go back and deliver the same people from which he came out of. That it might be fulfilled, the Bible says, that I have brought my son out of Egypt. So the sons of Aaron died because they offered strange fire. What should that tell us about us spiritually? Because we are designated to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Is it not that also our spiritual sacrifices should be holy and not strange? It is made strange or tainted by our own lifestyle. Lifestyle is important. Lifestyle is important. Otherwise, do not become a Christian. Christianity is not a lifestyle of convenience. It's a lifestyle of denial. So when you come into Christ, you must forego your own conveniences for the sake of taking up your cross to please you. You cannot, brothers and sisters, be his disciple unless you are dead to your own cross. We say we are the house of God, but a house infested with flies, a house infested with the spirit of the world. It is unspotted from the world, so lifestyle matters. Are you listening to me? He said a holy priesthood. Lifestyle matters. How you live matters. Who are your who your friends are matters. Where you work matters. Where you live matters. 
and we must move beyond our respect of the ministers that bring us the gospel into what the spirit is actually shaped. Look at Jesus. He's speaking to the churches, but every every last thing he says to the churches, he that has a king. Let him hear. He is, is, it, is it not that Jesus is the king? Is it not that Jesus is the head of the church? Why is that every when he ends his message, he says, listen to the spirit. Because in what Jesus is saying, there is what also the spirit is saying behind him. So we must learn to move outside because that's why we have no regard for the word. Because we have too much respect for the people who give us the word. And we don't hear the spirit. And sometimes because we undermine those who give us the word, we can't hear the spirit. So in this house there is structure in this house there is structure and protocol that must be observed the priesthood has protocol even this priesthood that we are aligned to it has protocol when Miriam and Aaron went against Moses what happened the Bible says that cloud descended. When the, the sorcerer Elamias tried to resist Paul from preaching the gospel, what happened? The hand of the Lord came down. So what must we do? We must find ourselves. Reclude ourselves to a place spiritually where our our apprehension of the word of God becomes very vital. Holy priests. Holy priests. If Aaron had sinned, what would have happened to him? Some would say, oh, but Aaron did sin when he built the children of Israel, the calf. Right? Why did you want him? Do you know what the Bible says? And the Lord sought to kill Aaron. That's what the Bible says. God wanted to kill him. It was Moses who went in between and says, Don't do such a thing. He's a holy, a holy. He said in Hebrews, Holy brethren. Holy brethren. Hold this is brethren, holy brethren. Today in Christianity, holiness is a luxury. It's not a compulsion, it's a luxury. It's one of those things we when we feel like it, we become holy. Was the Jesus? The blood of Jesus, it's unclean. I want to show you scripture. Alright? I want to show you scripture. Let me show you scripture. We'll come back here. We need to sort out certain things here. I'll show you something. 
First uh, Timothy. Verse number 19. Chapter 5, verse 19. You there? Yes. Amen. Let's read, please. Okay, 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 okay. Verse number, read verse 21. Okay, said I charge you before God. So this is a command. Said I charge you before God and before Jesus Christ and the elect angel that you observe these things without what partiality. Right? What I wanted to read you is in verse 20. Find it. Let's start again. Find it. Find it. Those who are. Those who are. Those who are. Those who are. Is it talking to sinners or talking to Christians? So it's those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may also feel. Now, here's a question that I'll ask you. Is he talking about those who are sinning publicly? Or is he talking about those who are sinning in general? In general. So how would Timothy know that they are sinning? By? 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 He says, the purpose is for what? Is for to shame the one who's sinning? What's the purpose? Is to? Is to, is to, is that others may fear. Yeah. Is that what? Others may fear. Is that what? In the presence of us, is rebuke in the presence of? This is the Bible. Why would the Bible advocate for such a church that rebuke those who are seen in the presence of everybody? What, what is it about doing such a thing that is important? Here's a question that I want to ask you. If Peter had not spoken to Ananias and Sapphira and called them out for what they had done, would they have died? Would they have died? They wouldn't have died. So why did they die? Because Peter called them out. You just, if Peter had not called out Ananias and Sapphira for their lives and sins, they would not have died. I agree with you. You are 100% right. If he had not said anything, they would not have died. But 
What caused them to die? Was it the fact that Peter told them what they did? What was it? No, but they died because the, the others may fear. Mm. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. But the train of thought is, is miscued because you, you are saying if he had not spoken, they would not have died. But because he spoke, they died. That others may fear. It's, it's, it, you are suggesting that it was Peter speaking that caused them to die. No. It's their lies. But I'm saying if their lies were not exposed, they would not have died. That's what we agree, right? If their lies, if, if, if what they had done was not exposed, had not come to light, they would not have died. So that means that they died. It means there was something in Peter addressing it, exposing it, that invoked something. You following me? So when Peter said, why did Satan deceive you to lie to the Holy Spirit? Something happened. The spirit of judgment was invoked. When Peter spoke, so except he spoke, that spirit would not be addressed. And they would not, I mean, would not be invoked and they would not have died. So sometimes you, are, you get away with your sins, not, not because judgment is not waiting but because there is no someone to the gift of the spirit who can expose that sin and it be judged so judgment that day was dead and others feared is the same is the same operation that paul is telling timothy to do alamias the sorcerer was convincing the governor against paul and paul says you 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 son of the devil who has bewitched you to do such a thing? You worker of all unrighteousness. Therefore, the hand of the Lord shall come upon you and shall be blind for a season. Why? There was something he had done that the Spirit of God what, was involved when it was exposed. Keep singing. Keep singing. Let's go back to Second Timothy chapter two. Keep, keep singing. One day, one day you will come to church, and I will say, "Stand up," and I will ask you about that night with that one. I will ask you, keep singing. And you will fall down. You may not die, but you will fall down. So you mean you mean you can do that?
Deus faremos. Virou a Virou a lição. Means to transgress something that is prohibited, right? To violate a law. That is sin. So keep seeing. I read that to you because from time to time, that's what I'll be doing in this ministry. Because, you see, the reason why these things must happen in the body of Christ is so that we may be, we may be stirred unto holiness. We may be stirred unto righteousness. We may be stirred unto a lifestyle, fit and worthy, pleasing unto our Lord. So, so I can see that just leaving things as they are is causing more damage. So the Bible allows us to move in this dimension. Hmm. Hey. Yeah, so from today, before you come to church, you better <laughs> go to sessions of repentance. Father, cleanse me by the blood and soul, what not. But that kind of life is not a life that God wants for us. It's not, it's not a life that God wants for us. Listen, your lifestyle of unholiness is hindering you from many prospects in the kingdom. There are certain things in God's kingdom God will not give you. Even things that you must suppose, anointings, graces, callings, giftings, that you are supposed to function and operate in your life that will never find their home in you except through a life of holiness, a clean life. A clean, what do you think you came into? The one whom you say is your Lord is the cleanest of them all. Should you not emulate his nature, his character? So he says a holy priesthood. Not an unholy one, a holy one. That's why we, in our generation, we live in the most corrupted and profane generation in Christianity that there has ever been. Because we have, we have mixed the holy with the profane. We have mixed that which is unholy with that which is holy. We have mixed them in God's house. And we have become comfortable with it. Why? Because we think that the Spirit's long-suffering is foolishness. When we know who the Holy Spirit is, when we understand who He is, you, you will realize that the Spirit's patience does not denote that He is very foolish. It's like those mockers who says He has, he has been coming for, since the beginning of the world. Where is He? But He says the Lord is long so he waits and waits and waits and waits and waits. But there will come a time where, 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 where the judge of the earth will give a verdict. Once he gives a verdict, there's no, there's no one in creation that can stop that verdict from coming to pass. It's the same in his dealings with nations. It's the same in his dealings 
with people. With people. So when God raises up prophets and he says to nations, repent, 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 the people look at those prophets like you're stupid, you're fool, you're fool. It's because they've seen something coming. That God's patience is hiding. It's like when, Mo, when, when Noah said to them, God is bringing a flood. They say a flood. We have never seen a flood. You tell us about a flood. And the Bible says, by which he judged and condemned the whole world. It's a system, brothers and sisters. It's a way. So God is long. He gave, imagine for 120 years, Noah was preaching the gospel of righteousness and they denounced it. When they went, he went into the ark. Only eight people went in. The, those who were outside when the rain came did not want to come in. Obviously they did. It's like a nation like South Africa. God has been saying to this nation, repent, 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 repent to the churches, repent, 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 repent. But, but, but the message of the spirit is repent. The message of the church is revival. There is a revival coming. God say repent. The, the church says there is a revival coming. It's in South Africa, there is a false spirit that's working within the churches. To see things that are not of the spirit and hear voices that are not of the spirit. Mm. To sound things that are not of the spirit. So as to distract the attention and what we should be focusing on. There's a move of God coming. <laughs> In this nation, you're talking about a move of God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and come and heal their land. What comes first? Does the healing come first or the repenting comes first? So what should that tell you? If God wants to bring a revival, what's the first message that should be sounded more than any other message? Repent, repent, repent. So South Africa must repent. Because there is a window that is given to do such a thing. Do, do, do you not think that God gave time for Sodom and Gomorrah to altercate and change their ways? South Africa today is the most proliferated nation in homosexuality and drugs in all of Africa. What do you think will happen? You think God will overlook? And the dead were judged according to the works that were written in the book. The book is piling up. So we also in our own lives think living an holy life because we, we are not seen. Because we are not seen by our pastors. We are not seen. We, are, we, we, we can live as we please. That we do not speak does not mean we do not see. Some of us see more than we speak. And we should not be fooled by our silence that we are blind. It is what causes the love of Christ constrain us. So he says, we are a holy priesthood. We are a holy priesthood. A life of holiness 
his brothers and sisters a demand in the priesthood. That's why many Christians are not fit to be priests because they are not holy. Their lifestyles are not holy. They are still in the world. They still have one foot here, one foot out. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world is not of the Father. He that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When you read such things, what goes through your mind? He says, just as the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. <laughs> and for you to be saved like Noah, there must be an observance of the ways of Noah. So that in the days of the Son of Man, you observe the ways of the Son of Man. He walked this life righteous. The Bible says, he who knew no sin, Our addiction to sin, our addiction to profanity, our addiction to the things of this world only exists because we are not close to God. The reason why Christianity today is in the state which it is is because Christianity has, has no communion and no fellowship with God. The closer you draw to Him, the more holier you So ministers are afraid to teach the message of holiness because they themselves know they don't live holy. So the message condemns them and they are unable to preach it. Yet the standard of holiness is the holiness of God himself. Be ye holy as my father is holy. Seeing that the day approaches, what manner of men are you to be? Holy Except these small nitty gritties are sorted out in our lives, we are still playing. We are still far. We are still far from the kingdom of God. We may convince ourselves. One of the things Jesus said, He says, see that the signs of the end times, says, see that no man deceives. That's one of the telling signs. Deception is a very subtle spirit. It's a very subtle spirit. You may never know that you are deceived even when you are. You may never know. Why? Because of corrupted beliefs. By what? By perverted words. No, it's fine. The grace of God is with you. He says the grace of God was manifested that we should what? We should what? We should live lives, our lives on earth holy and free from the world. So that's why the grace of God is manifested. Not so that when we sin, we can be forgiven. That's not grace, that's folly. This is holy. So we can, we can never speak about the priesthood and go into the depths of it without touching the element of holiness in, in our own lives as a church, 
and as, as, as individuals. And the closer you want to walk with God, the greater the degree of holiness that must be present in your life. Don't let the visions and the dreams fool you. It is the spirit that is put upon all flesh. So all, whether you are spiritually mature or unmature, you will have dreams, you will have visions. Sinners dream, do they not? And does, does, that, does that make them holy? Did not, did not Nebuchadnezzar be given, was, was he not given dreams by God? Was not Pharaoh given dreams by visions by God? <laughs> and you use them to measure your growth level, your holiness level. You are sunk. Hallelujah. Holy priesthood. So the priesthood is a holy thing. We must observe a life of holiness. Come in, sir. We must observe a life of holiness. It is important. Except you do that, you may never reach heaven. You may never. But pastor, what then is the blood of Jesus? What good then is the blood of Jesus Christ? Hey. <laughs> If you walk in the light as he is in the if look at me if you walk in the light as he is if if you walk in the light as he is in the light then the blood of Jesus Christ shall cleanse you of all unrighteousness does the blood of Jesus just cleanse you any other way it says only when you walk in the light does the blood of Jesus cleanse you if you don't walk in the light what does that tell you can the blood of Jesus cleanse you? Oh, Hebrews chapter 7, quickly. It's actually chapter number. Number six. Verse four. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, to, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age of God, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify for themselves the Son of God and put an, into an open shame. He said, it is impossible to renew them. I'll read you another scripture. Chapter 10. Verse 26. For if we want sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. If we sin willfully after we have received, not before, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. Now, so you got it. Did you read it? 
He says, the blood of Jesus Christ becomes useless to you if after you have received the knowledge of the truth, you continue to sin. He says, they no longer remain. They sacrifice for sin. That sacrifice in your life is a law. This will explain why many Christians die. You wonder, that Christian went to walk this morning, they never woke up the next. Or, or strange things happening to them. As the blue just fired from work, where is the sacrifice? Where is the blood that speaks better than the blood of evil? Why isn't the blood of Jesus Christ speaking in the lives of others? If we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Listen to what he says next. A certain fearful expectation of what? Of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Says anybody, any, even Moses himself, God said what? You go to die. Moses was not exempt from the very law he gave. Says he dies without mercy. Verse 29. It says, Of how much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant for which you are sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? Do, do you, did you see that? It says you have insulted. What, what is the context? Sin willfully. Says, he says, if you sin willfully, you do what? You insult the spirit of grace. But today's perverted gospel is what? If you sin, God is what? He's gracious. His grace is sufficient. <laughs> but he, the Bible, we talk about Bible. The Bible says, if you sin willfully, you insult the very spirit of grace that this grace preachers are preaching, saying, if you sin, God is too kind and too merciful. If you see willful, that means if you go into this thing wanting it, how would you listen? God, the Bible says God is greater than our hearts. That, in other words, He, he when you are doing that which is wrong, He knows inside you whether you are doing it from a a platform of knowing what you are doing. Oh, you are doing it in ignorance. That's why there were sins of omission and sins of commission, sins of ignorance and sins that were willfully done. Both were dealt with differently. And he's talking to Christians, if you see, if God, if the Lord Moses killed people without mercy, how much more he who troubles the Son of God under him? This is a terrible thing to fall into the hand of God. We must live holy lives if we are going to be the building that God wants us to be. Because we cannot represent a God who is holy, living and holy lives. 
And that's one of the, 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 the operations of the spirit of Antichrist. Is to promote the spirit of the world. Is to promote the lifestyle, the culture, the traditions of the world. So that we find ourselves as Christians living as though we are of the world. It's the spirit of Antichrist. And in most of our pulpits today is the spirit of Antichrist. There's, there's teaching, there's preaching, there's ministering, there's healing. And we are here thinking, oh, that's a powerful teaching, powerful man of God. It's because we don't know our Bibles. The day we know our Bibles, the day we'll be free from deception. Holy priesthood. Holy priesthood. Holy priesthood. Ye must be holy. That's what Peter said. Ye must be holy as I am holy. That's in Leviticus. Ye must be holy. That's the standard of serving. You better leave Christianity while it's still ailing if you are not committed to a holy way of living. Because your end would be far worse than when you came into it in the first place. He said to Capernaum when he gave charges to Capernaum, he says, Woe to you, Capernaum, in whom mighty miracles were done, and you did not repent. For if Sodom and Gomorrah have heard, they will repent by now. So the reason why Capernaum will receive a stricter judgment, a greater judgment than Sodom and Gomorrah did, is because they saw the miracles, they heard the voice, and they did not repent. And that's why the, the message of the priesthood is not, is not so promoted and elevated in Christianity because you can't without holiness. You can't without righteousness. How do we serve at the altar when we ourselves are unclean? How do we serve before the throne when we ourselves are filthy? Yeah, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The word righteousness is tied to one word, lawfulness and obedience. More than it is a nature, it is the act that leads to righteousness. So the righteousness of Christ is unto salvation, but there is a righteousness that must be fulfilled by your own life. That's why it says, put on the new man, which after God is created in true righteousness and holiness. You must do, you must put it on. Jesus is coming back, brothers and sisters. To him who is holy, all things are. To him who is unclean, all things are. Then he says what? Let me read you. Revelations. We'll end here.
verse chapter 22 verse 11 Let him be unjust. He says, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be. Who's saying these things? He who is filthy, let him be. He who is righteous, let him be. He who is holy, let him be. You know what he's saying? He's referring to the time nearing the, the end. He says, there is a that would be administered in the world where those who live unholy will continue to be more unholy. He's talking about a continuance in that life, a deep dive within that life, where they will be unable to find themselves holy. So he says, he, he that is, or oh, it's a command, let him be a holy state. What life would we live before our king? What life would we live before our master? You are not answerable to me. There is one greater than me whom you are answerable to. And it is he who put me in charge over you. Jesus said, he that listens to you that he that receives you is not receiving you, but is receiving me. And he that receives me receives him who sent me. Where must it start? It must start in the sin. If how can you say you love God whom you do not see when you hate your brother whom you see? So he said, we had earthly fathers who were what? Subjected unto. How much more shall we be subject to the father of all spirits? What lives do we want to live, brothers and sisters? Do you want to live life without law? Do you want to be lawless in our living, in our walking in this world? May we not be blinded by the consequences that before the lifestyles that we choose to live outside of the parameters that God set for us. He says, do not say tomorrow. He says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Not tomorrow, today. For you do not know, James says, what tomorrow brings. So it's better 
to endeavor to live a life of holiness and righteousness consistently until we meet him than to devil into it because then you may find that the day you are not in it is the day judgment is allocated to you i am not trying to scare you i'm just trying to give you the truth flee youthful lusts oh men of god but pursue righteousness holiness love For he that sanctifies himself shall be fit for the master's use. A vessel that is honorable. It says, for we have not been called to uncleanness, but in sanctification, holding ourselves in holiness. I'll tell you one thing in closing. Bible says when Cain departed from the presence of God, he went and built a city. And he called the name of the city Enoch, which means I have learned. And he built that city without the presence of God. Because he had departed from the presence of God. He built that city <coughs> void of God's presence. That city today is the principle upon which the whole world is still operates. This world, this world, I'm talking about this system, this age, hates, hates Jesus Christ. Everything in this world is designed to manifest and demonstrate their hate for Jesus Christ. Why do the nations rage and the peoples gather themselves together and the peoples and kings and rulers of this world gather together and they say, let us cast ourselves from them and break their cords from us. That is the spirit of this world. Its design, its intent is to dislocate, dislodge, separate themselves from God because they hate this God. Yet it is this one that shall rule them on the horn of iron. This system hates Jesus. If you will align itself with it, that means you also hate Jesus. You cannot be a friend of the world and still continue to befriend God. Do you not know, oh ye adulterers and adulteresses, that friendship with the world is enmity against God. See, they hated me without a cause. What did Jesus do to this world? That that would 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 amount to such hatred. It only it only shows you that it is not the world. The source comes from someone who knows him. Because the world cannot hate Jesus so much and not, they don't know him. They don't know him, but they hate him. Why? 
They are who? They are who? Behind this world. Satan has decorated this world in such a way that you will never see him except the Spirit of God helps you deserve. The nature of this world is one thing, brothers and sisters, and it is evil. And we know that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Be separate from them. Be separate. It says my people come out of them and do not partake of the wrath of God that shall come. It's time, brothers and sisters. It's time. It's time. If we will not pursue this kind of life, we are in danger. Because our Lord said one thing. He said. The way and narrow is the gate, and few they be who find it. Even as we sit like this, in the context applies to us. In this place, there are few who will find it. I may be standing here speaking to all of you, but there are few who may find it. It may be three, it may be five, but it is always the few who will walk the narrow road. May you be part of that few. If you are wise, Father, help us. You have given us the Holy Spirit for this purpose. You have given us the Holy Spirit for this agenda. You have given us the Holy Spirit for this intent. That He might help us discover the narrow gate and walk through it. For it is impossible with man, but with God all things are possible. So help us, dear Father. We yield and give ourselves to you. So we ask in the name of Jesus that this message will work within our lives by the power of the Holy Ghost. Transforming us and shaping us and helping us become men and women who please God. Men and women who are reflections of what God intended for us to become. May you be glorified in our lives. May you be honored in your, our lives. May your hand upon our lives, oh God, oh God, be evident among men. May the world see and know that surely we are not of the world, but we are of Christ. In the name of Jesus, may the greater one in us rise. May the greater one in us work. May the greater one in us perambulate. May the greater one in us live. May the greater one in us be active in leading us to the purposes and plans of God. So in Jesus' name I ask you, O oh Father.